0: This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and
1: Prevention. Welcome to our podcast series on CDC's Ovarian Cancer Demonstration Project. I'm your host, Jake Lynn. Did you know that ovarian cancer is the fifth leading cause of cancer death among women in the United States and the second most common type of female reproductive cancer? This episode is part of a five-part podcast series that describes the activities, facilitators, and barriers, lessons learned, and recommendations from the demonstration sites. Today, I spoke with Katie Jones, Mary Charlton, and Jenny Patterson from Iowa about their CDC demonstration project to increase gynecologic oncologist involvement in the treatment for ovarian cancer. While there's no simple and reliable way to screen for ovarian cancer in asymptomatic women, A woman's chances of survival increases if her treatment is given or directed by a gynecologic oncologist. Let's meet our guests.
2: I'm Katie Jones. I'm the program manager of the Iowa Comprehensive Cancer Control Program at the Iowa Department of Public Health. And I was basically the liaison between the Iowa Cancer Registry and ICF and helped with the application and the reporting, the budgeting, contracts, those types of things.
0: My name is Mary Charlton. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Epidemiology at the University of Iowa College of Public Health. And I'm the PI and director of our Iowa Statewide SEER Cancer Registry. My role on the project was overseeing and directing the formative analysis that we did and just overseeing all components of the project.
1: For our listeners, Mary is a principal investigator, or PI, who is responsible for directing the project. As Mary mentioned, she is the director of Iowa's Surveillance, Epidemiology, and End Results Program, also known as SEER. SEER provides information on cancer statistics to reduce the cancer burden among the U.S. population. Now, let's give Jenny an opportunity to introduce herself.
2: Hi, I'm Jenny Patterson, and a research specialist with the University of Iowa College of Public Health, and I was working on the materials development and testing for this project.
1: Excellent. So, what motivated you and the Iowa Department of Public Health to take on this work?
2: Well, I saw the opportunity was sent out to the Comp Cancer Programs and I reached out to some of our partners, including the Iowa Cancer Consortium, and Mary is on the board of the Iowa Cancer Consortium. And we also work together since she, you know, is part of the Iowa Cancer Registry. We hadn't really worked on ovarian cancer for our comp cancer program. It hadn't been much of a focus, but Mary right away said, oh, this actually aligns with a project we've already done and, and we would like to apply. So I'll just let you take it away, Mary, too, if you want to talk about that at all.
0: Yeah, it happened to be that I had a student, an MD-PhD student who helped a lot with this project, and that was her main area of interest. So that was kind of the first thing that perked my interest when Katie sent me that email asking for some information about ovarian cancer. And second, we had just participated in a CDC-funded project to do a special ovarian cancer patterns of care study along with Missouri and Kansas because mortality rates of ovarian cancer are be quite high in the Midwest. And I think there was some concern that people, especially in the Midwest, were not getting treatment from a gynecologic oncologist. So we started to analyze that data and we're definitely seeing some issues that we had in Iowa. We knew we only had six gynecologic oncologists in our state and five of them were at the university and only one of them was in Des Moines, which is kind of in the middle of the state and nowhere else. So it seemed like a really
1: important project to do. That's great, Jenny. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I
2: reached out to Mary and ended up when I heard about the project, I've worked with CDC on a number of gynecologic cancer projects in the past and specifically ovarian cancer as well. So thought this would be a good fit. And it was. I was happy to join the team.
1: And what would you say was the overarching goal in participating in this demonstration project?
0: Yeah, we really wanted to understand what the issues were that were driving the lack of either referrals or patients going to a gynecologic oncologist. We didn't really know what were the key issues. So we appreciated that the project allowed us to do some formative research on determining that and then selecting some strategies to address the barriers and issues that we found.
1: That's a great tee up. Next, I'd like to go into the strategies you implemented and the formative research you conducted to help you select those strategies. So if you could, please describe first the formative research you conducted and then describe the strategies you selected for implementation based on the findings from the formative research.
0: We are really trying to learn what, what the root causes of some of the problems were in Iowa so that we could best address them. And we really heavily relied on the Iowa Cancer Registry data. It was nice to have that as a starting place. And we could see that there were some places in Iowa, a handful, where it looked like they were referring less than others. <laughs> so we wanted to make sure to try and reach out to providers in those areas to see if we could kind of figure out what was happening so when we did the formative research we started with interviewing providers and then also decided that we needed to interview patients too and thankfully with the iowa cancer registry being part of the project we could use that data to determine there were some people we could talk to who looked like they never went to a gynecologic oncologist according to our records and focus on them and just kind of ask them about the process that they use to decide where to receive care that was probably the most illuminating set of interviews because They didn't really say, I I couldn't travel somewhere, or there were financial barriers, transportation barriers. They they did not say those things. They said, my doctor, I trusted my doctor, and they said they could take care of it. So essentially, we learned from them, some people are just not getting referred. And because of that trust-based relationship with their physician, they're not seeking second opinions, they're not doing a lot of online research. They're just sort of going where they're told to go and assuming that that person offering treatment is the most qualified person to take care of them and unfortunately an assumption is not actually always true so that was the big impetus for selecting patient education materials as one of our strategies to help make them aware of the importance of seeing a gynecologic oncologist and um,
1: some questions to ask their providers that's great now i want to talk about each of the strategies you implemented based on these findings let's start first with the patient and provider education materials.
0: Again, the goals of the patient education materials were really awareness and to to help patients make informed decisions, ask the right questions, which is hard to do. You certainly don't want to undermine that trust-based relationship with providers, but with something like ovarian cancer, which is the most deadly of gynecologic cancers, it's particularly important for that one for them to at least seek consultation with a gynecologic oncologist. We worked with a patient advocacy organization called Normalia, And they had a a number of materials that we could kind of start with and incorporate and then test. That was the other thing. We just wanted to really make sure that the messages that we were trying to get across were resonating with with our target population. So that organization helped us to recruit people, to test the materials with and go over those, make sure that they were picking up what we were putting down uh, in terms of messaging. Similar process with the providers, too, where we wanted to kind of test that out. That's a little trickier. Patients are a little bit easier to recruit, to do things like that, to spend the time with you and go through things like that. So it's a little trickier to get OBGYNs and other providers to do that. But we really tried to take what we learned through that and, and make it a clear messaging on information for them. And then we also wanted to arm the providers with information to give to their patients also. So we wanted to get those patient education materials in the hands of the provider is they're the ones who can give those out at the time of the diagnosis when the patient is really overwhelmed and probably can't process everything right then when they're learning about their cancer diagnosis.
1: Great. Thanks, Mary. Looking back, were there any questions or issues you wish you had explored during the formative research process?
0: The one thing that we weren't able to do was to get the physicians together did talk to some gynecologic oncologists about their perspective on getting the referrals. And one mentioned his hypothesis is once a physician tries to make a referral for something, whether it's last week, last year, 10 years ago, (laughs) it's stuck in their mind for a long time when that goes bad, for whatever reason, they're angry. And it can like predate even the people that are even working there now. So what we really wish is that there was a way to do some sort of focus group or even just an informal conversation between some of the providers not referring and the people who are there now just to sort of hash it out and reformulate those relationships.
1: Okay, thanks. Let's turn to partnerships next. Can you talk a bit about the partnerships you established for this demonstration project?
2: So partners are a huge part of our work. You know, we work with the Iowa Cancer Consortium a lot. They're our main contractor. And then also the American Cancer Society and a variety of other partners, too.
1: I see that you also partnered with Brown University's Office of Continuing Medical Education. Can you describe that partnership?
2: I know that we basically just were having trouble finding an affordable provider for CMEs or physicians for the webinar. And since ICF had connected us with the other ovarian cancer demonstration sites, one of which was Rhode Island, and they were working with brown university for a webinar and with covid we had decided to switch to doing a webinar as well so then we were just able to work with brown university and they were great to work with i should also note normally was a partner the normally ovarian cancer initiative they have been working for a long time on ovarian cancer patient advocacy and they have been pushing for making sure that folks diagnosed with ovarian cancers are seen by gynecologic oncologists early on. They really helped connect the project to patients for focus groups and look over materials and and that sort of thing.
1: Tell me what made it easier or more difficult to plan, implement, and evaluate your strategies for this demonstration. Let's start with you, Mary.
0: I would say probably the biggest facilitator is just the sort of fact that I'm with the cancer registry, and so we have so much data, I think that's probably very different depending on the state as to one, how much access you have to your state's cancer registry or the relationships that you have there, and two, what your the registry's analytic capabilities are. And I think that that's highly variable, but we are fortunate to have full access and a lot of analytic capabilities that are, so we could really start from a data-driven approach. I think the barriers were really mostly in the recruitment of providers to participate. We had Normalia and heavily relied on them for the for access to survivors, ovarian cancer survivors. We didn't have anything that mirrored that on the provider side. There wasn't like a one place we could go to 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 recruit providers. And it was during the pandemic. So who knows how it would have gone otherwise. But right during that time, it was pretty difficult to recruit them to participate in interviews or kind of the testing of our subsequent materials. So that was probably the hardest. The things that helped that is we, the Iowa Cancer Consortium has a lot of providers that are involved. Also, our, our connection with having a gynecologic oncologist on our team, she could kind of reach out to people that and recommended people who we could interview we kind of relied on some of those relationships between our partners it kind of comes back to having a broad set of partners who can who can reach out to to hard to get groups like providers when you need some of their time to talk to them
1: great katie anything to add on that
2: so there was just some barrier with providers referring Thinking that the referral process is complicated, but then when we talked to the gynecologic oncologist, they said, "No, we've streamlined it. We get patients in." So just helping to connect the dots there again, focusing on that provider education component.
1: And Jenny, how about you? Yes, I think with the goal of educating the providers,
2: we knew that CME was the way to go. That's the way to get them to participate, and so we were able to do that again with the partnership with Brown, and we are grateful for that.
1: Excellent any plans for continuing or sustaining these strategies or any changes that you envision would be needed to continue implementing these strategies?
0: It wasn't something we were tracking before at the registry to look at the proportion of people with ovarian cancer who it appears from our records were treated or at least had an opportunity to see a gynecologic oncologist. So that's something that we plan to kind of implement on an annual basis to see what's happening with that and if it's not going in a good direction, then revisit some of our strategies again, and maybe send out the materials again. Maybe facilitate some conversations between providers and really try and break down any interpersonal barriers there.
2: So I think we will definitely a cancer program and our partners are trying to address how do we improve cancer care and just reduce disparities. I feel like there's always been an interest in health disparities, but now there's just so much more energy behind it, and some people who weren't necessarily as involved in it before now realized this is something that we need to prioritize.
1: It sounds like you did some great work planning and implementing strategies aimed at increasing receipt of care by a gynecologic oncologist among women diagnosed with ovarian cancer in Iowa. Thank you to Katie, Mary, and Jenny for joining me today and for discussing your experience collaborating on this demonstration project. For more information, please take a look at the resources developed by Iowa, Rhode Island, and Michigan for this demonstration. You can access these resources as well as the action plan, which describes the promising strategies identified for this demonstration project, and the accompanying toolkit, which is a compilation of tools and resources addressing planning, implementation, and evaluation of the strategies included in the action plan. These can all be found at www.cdc.gov Slash cancer slash ovarian. Thanks again for joining us. This episode is part of a five-part podcast series that describes the activities, facilitators and barriers, lessons learned, and recommendations from the demonstration sites. Check out the other episodes in this podcast series on CDC's Ovarian Cancer webpage.
0: For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.